You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey, y'all. I'm Mella, and I'm the Southern Belle in Bell Book and Candle. Thank you for listening. Y'all check out the Green Wild Festival for Mystics and Witches coming up in November 2021. It's going to be an amazing online witchy conference. On today's episode, we've got Betsy Kudlinski with us to talk about her work as a freedom guide. After over 30 years of following every rule set out for her to the best of her ability, she realized she was sick in mind, body, and spirit. She has since found a different way of being. She became renatured. She now has a sense of freedom that was utterly lacking in her life of 21st century convention, and she guides others to renature and find their own freedom. Welcome, Betsy. Hi. So glad to have you here. I know that everyone is forging their own path along their own personal journey. And I have found that everyone that I know, everyone that I've interviewed and talked to that has gone into any type of healing work with people has had to work through their own healing to get to that point. Is this true with you as well? It's absolutely true. And I have found the exact same thing. Mm. Everybody, everybody who gets to a point like this went down the dark path first. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, in my case, you know, my my childhood was pretty good, but I also had a lot of chronic illness. Not myself, but like my family. My brother was sick and, you know, he was also uh, had behavioral problems because his life sucked. And then my mom also got sick while I was still, you know, only eight so it really influenced who I was and what I became. And I have a personality that lends itself to doing everything right and following mm. the rules. And so that's what I did. And um, along the way, I ended up making the wrong decisions for myself. They were the right decisions for what I had, you know, the information that I had and the person that I had become through all those influences but um yeah I ended up pretty sick physically Mm. myself I got fibromyalgia so I was sick and I was depressed and I was anxious and I was just miserable so dark night of the soul if you want to call it that or wow you know any all of the above and then it's been it's been really quite a journey I realized the other day that um like the first spark for me was 14 years ago or something like that. Mm. I have fibromyalgia as well. And I have met a lot of healers that have that. And that just kind of struck me when you said that, have you noticed that there are other people on a sort of spiritual journey that actually have this fibromyalgia? I have a theory. (laughs) Please share. My theory is that our training, our programming, our um, socialization, and, you know, probably to some extent our innate personalities make us, for lack of a a better term, dissociate and Mm -hmm. like stuff ourselves so that Mm -hmm. we can be everything we are trained to be. 
even if we're the rebel. And mm. all of that, again, for lack of a better word, toxicity, but like the yeah. all of the repression and suppression and dissociation goes somewhere and it eventually comes out. I tend to think that it was my body telling me for years and years and years and years and years, you can't live like this. You cannot live like this. You can't yeah. live like this. And it's not like I was being bad to my body. I was yeah. being bad to my mind and personality. That's my suspicion. Mm. <laughs> that sounds that sounds very logical. I am also a perfectionist and it has really created a lot of problems in my life and it came from a lot of issues that I had in childhood and a lot of abuse and of every type and I became this perfectionist that could never quite reach perfection there's no such thing <laughs> yeah like, right there is physically no way to do it and yet we pour ourselves into it knowing that there's no other way to be right right and then it sits in our body and it creates actual physical ailments it's true Wow. So would you explain what you mean when you call yourself a freedom guide? Sure. So my training is as a life coach and I don't like the term. Okay. I don't like to tell people what they should, could, might do. Mm -hmm. I believe wholeheartedly that people have it in them. They know and they don't know. And so the point is to guide people to their own freedom freedom is a touch point for me you know when when things get rocky in my mind I feel trapped yeah um, that's where my trauma adaptations lead me you know like trapped mm. in that perfectionist attitude trapped yeah blah 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 but the opposite of that to me is just freedom stillness openness um, being awake being freed you know to be and and that doesn't mean that you just you know all the rules are gone and all of the laws are gone and you just do whatever you want it means that you you understand and recognize the repercussions and you know that for you it's important to do it anyway or you figure out a different way to do it but the freedom itself is life-changing and People can do it themselves, and I'm just here to be with you because mm. it's a hard journey to take on your own, and I have a little bit of information and a little bit of direction, and I've been down the road, and, and I've helped other people down the road, and that's that's all my, my hope is, is to spark and then to be there with you, walking next to you so you don't have to do it alone for the really hard parts of the journey. I really love that. I was trained as a life coach while I was in school. That was part of my studies. And I, I just don't like that term either. And mm -hmm. so I, I was also trained for in spiritual studies and I was ordained and all that sort of stuff. So I've meshed it all together. And I just say that I'm a spiritual guide because mm -hmm. I just don't like the word coach. Mm -hmm. I, feel, I feel like I facilitate or I hold space for people. Exactly. But I'm not, I'm not a coach. I'm not a cheerleader type of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -mm. What do you think changes in people's lives when they actually regain freedom? Do we even know what freedom means in, the, in this culture? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we have a twisted definition of it. Mm. 
end, everybody's going to have their own definition. Mm. I, I truly believe like we're we're all so individual, and yet we're all reaching for the same thing, the peace and happiness and feeling that we are entirely who we are, who we're supposed to be. And, you know, my handle for that, my word for that is freedom. But I think that it's it's so individual. Everybody's going to have their own definition of it. Like I said, you know, I consider it stillness and openness and peace. And it's more of a feeling than a definable thing for me. Because I can still be going through my day doing all of my things on my to-do list and feel free. Yeah. And is the renaturing part of the freedom or is that the process it's the process i like to call it that i'm um the essence of my work is freedom personal mm-hmm. freedom okay the story the way you get there is renaturing okay um renaturing to me is bringing us back to who we are at our core um it's it's mother nature and animal nature and human nature and true nature inner nature um you know, I'm a big fan of nature, but um, <laughs> me <I'll> too. <laughs> uh, but it's it's so much more than that. You know, it's easy to hear renaturing and think that I bring people into the woods and we camp for weeks at a time and we find, you know, like I'm not talking about soul <laughs> retrieval and I'm not talking about going out and learning how to take care of ourselves in the outback. Yeah, it's not that those things aren't life-changing amazing things that can be incredibly useful to people and you know if it's if if either soul retrievals and you know like wild uh survival classes is your thing oh my god do it it's amazing right right (laughs) but i find nature within us like we are a part of nature and we have become robots we consider our bodies to be like almost a machine that holds our brains and it's one of the reasons like it's one of the god i was i was actually just recording an episode of my own podcast and talking about how it's like our very core version of dualism you know you hear about non-dualism but we consider our mind and our body like they are separate. It's like the, it's like our core wound almost is, is that we consider our mind and body separate. And I think mm-hmm. I suspect that, that again, that's the root cause of a lot of illnesses like fibromyalgia, which is a syndrome, like a collection of symptoms that is our body screaming to our minds, you are not a separate thing from me. (laughs) (laughs) You must hear this. And it's true. Like it's, they're all real symptoms. They're all real ailments. And yet at the same time, if we had been connected to our bodies, like we were as little bitty babies, then we would have noticed those symptoms so far in advance that none of them would have gotten to the place that they did. So it's reconnecting with our bodies. It's reconnecting with mother nature and the fact that we have a human nature and an animal nature and our society kind of frowns on all of those things. Mm. Well, you're on a great podcast because witches love nature. Oh yes. Oh yes. I know. It's awesome. (laughs) And 
you know, part of the whole pagan uh, mindset is the interconnectedness of everything around us and yes. how as above, so below. And when you look at your lungs, you can see the roots of the trees and just things like that and how connected everything is. So I definitely feel what you're saying. Do you have any ideas on how we got so separated from our true nature? I think that there's a natural process in, I suspect, any animal's life cycle, but especially humans, where we have to individuate. In, you know, we have to become separate from our mothers and our caregivers so that we can learn to take care of ourselves. And I think that our cultures, our societies, the way that humans have, uh, I don't want to say evolved to be, but our, our society pauses us in that individuation, which is really an adolescent phase. Mm. And as you said, you know, like my, my own personal views are not really as above, so below. It's just all one thing. Like there's no yeah. below, there's no as above. Like it is just all one universe and we're all the same thing. Sure, mm. we are like a tiny little moat within that thing you know we are a specific entity with a frequency that we project whether you know like if you if you consider it like somebody's voice is at a certain tone right so we have our own frequency with our own experiences and sets of skills and personality and stuff like that but we're all one thing but i think that as as a human society we've gotten all of us stuck in the adolescent individuation so that we never come back we never come back to the fact that we're a communal species we cannot live alone we teach each other that we should be separate and yet that's not survivable yeah give us some examples of of maybe some things that are happening that we can be aware of that are causing this in in our lives are are you talking culturally or specifically? Yeah, for society, us? culture. <laughs> My latest kick I'm kind of amused by is the <laughs> the fact that we've got a created god in money. Mm. Like calling it the almighty dollar is like right there, literally. We have created a god out of nothing. Absolute mm. fabrication of a concept. And I think it's fascinating. We are just so fascinating. But we we clamber, we we focus on things that are outside of ourselves, like money, like all the possessions, the capitalistic type stuff that goes with that. And it's it's again, it's pulling us further from our bodies. It's pulling us further from our roots. You know, you're talking about the lungs and tree roots and river deltas and you know like we are all of those things yeah and our culture just points us further and further away and you know i'm I'm sure that i'm not the first person that's mentioned this to you but our culture is traumatizing Mm -hmm. the 24-hour news cycle talking about you know just Anything that can catch our attention, which is usually attention, is fear-based, fear and stress-based. So our media is 
anchored in causing the most stress possible so that we feel the most desperate to continue paying attention. Wow. And that puts us in flight, fight, freeze mode all the time. Mm -hmm. All of our gadgets, you know, you think about for years they've been saying that it stimulates uh, hormone, you know, dopamine and I'm blanking on all of the various things that it does. Mm -hmm. But all of those are stress hormones mm -hmm. of one version or another. Stress is not necessarily bad. We need to yeah. be activated to do anything. But we live in a heightened state of stress and that is not good for our bodies. It is not good for our natures. So it's literally the way that we live in this world is detrimental to us. And so you can see things like that in the news cycle and how they're constantly trying to get your attention by the next scary thing. Yeah. And they want to have it come up on your phone and come up on your computer and mm -hmm. your television and scroll it across the bottom. It's inundated with all of that. You know, even um, life coaching, right? You know, we're taught, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <clears throat> taught to lead with pain points. Right? Do you remember that? Like, mm -hmm. lead yeah. with, this is the horrible thing that's happening to you, and I can fix it. Like, straight out of the <laughs> advertising book. Right. That is the worst thing in the entire world that I could possibly imagine. We're all hurting so badly, so the only way to get somebody's attention is to make them hurt more? Mm. Oh my god, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes you really think about a lot of the things that we put our energy into, because just like what you were saying about the dollar and and all the energy that goes into trying to get rich. And it even it's happening in spirituality. It's happening in the witch community. Everywhere you look, it's happening. Everywhere. It's the paradigm. It's the framework that we live with. You put all, whatever you're putting your energy into, that is what you are. I mean, it, it could be a good thing or a bad thing, but that's what you are creating. And if you are stressing out constantly over trying to be a, you know, a millionaire, billionaire, what else are you enjoying in your life? You're that you're putting all your energy there. And that's what your life is, is this struggle to be rich. Right. And separate. In order to be rich, you have to keep it for you. Mm -hmm. and, and so separate. You know, we have, we see again, again, social media and everywhere around, we see all kinds of stuff about how um, the dramatic fierce independence a lot of us have is a trauma response well just like we need other people other people need us too and mm. so i am finding that the more i'm healing myself from the independence and coming back to a healthy place of being so vulnerable and counting on other people and trusting them to be there for you and they're not because we're all programmed to be separate and independent and expect other people to be independent too and so i'm at a healthy place of of trusting other people to be there for me which means that i'm constantly hurting because people aren't there for me because they're programmed not to be and i have to make the conscious decision every single time that i still would rather be communal, trust people, need people, ask for help, give help, then to go back to where I had been, which was so alone and so lonely 
I'm so unhappy. There's a lot of blocks that come from things from our past. I mean, that literally rewires our brain, like issues with self-worth, even from childhood. And even the whole money mindset of having to be rich because that's what you were you know, put in your brain to be, or even how we love ourselves and how we love other people. So do you have any advice or tips on kicking those blocks to the curb? The first thing that I usually talk about is policing our language. Mm. Um, we, you know, there's a lot of circles, spiritual circles and stuff that say don't use negative words, which I agree with, absolutely. And every time I hear myself or someone else say should, have to, need to, can't, must, try, every time you should on yourself, you should on yourself. Every time you try, you lie. Like, policing your own language and making that decision, instead of putting the decision in somebody else's hands, I, you know, I have to, I have to be rich. I have to make lots of money. Everything that I do has to, has to be um, compensated because I need to have lots of money in order to live. The whole, that entire little spiel was fed to me. And have to, need to, must, okay. I'm using words there that are not my own. I can absolutely want to be rich. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having money or wanting money, but doing it unquestionably because that's what we're supposed to do. I look at money as fuel, right? So um, I can't go through you know, a, a life without paying my bills and gassing up my car, both yeah. right in the same thing. And so, so I want to earn money. I'm, I don't really care about being rich, but I want to earn money so that I can do the things that are important to me, take care of my body, take care of my people, take care of my pets, live a comfortable life so that I can continue to do what brings me light. <laughs> In, mm -hmm. in my work. But every time I hear myself say should, every time I hear myself say I have to or I need to, it's not saying that that's wrong. But if you can change it in your mind, literally change your mindset so that you want to do it. I don't like cleaning my house, but I should <laughs> clean my house, right? No, no, not should, not should. I want to clean my house because it gives me a greater sense of peace when the corners are not, not literally dirty. Yeah. And so I want to clean my house. It's on my to want to do list, right? <laughs> Instead of I have to do or I need to do. So that's the first thing that I always tell people to start looking at is how they're talking to themselves and looking for those things that are programmed in and not choices because we all have choices. Some of them are horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole sovereignty thing. I like to talk about sovereignty because mm. people are seemingly unaware of the fact that they don't get to blame people because they're actually making the choice themselves. And like you said, not all choices are great, but you're still choosing. Mm -hmm. You're still choosing to get pissed off at the driver and, you know, going off the road or whatever. And no, you can't blame that driver that did whatever because you chose to get mad and you chose to get to quit your job 
and they said, well, it was a terrible job and the, the owner did this or the boss did this. No, you made the decision to, to quit. So you can't really put the blame somewhere. It's our own sovereignty of taking responsibility ourselves for our choices. Sure. There's accountability. Not everybody's doing the best for you. You know, and they other people absolutely make mistakes, but accountability is not, you know, accountability and responsibility is not fault. Like mm, you right. can still, you know, you still decided, like you said, to quit the job and it yeah. may have been the absolute best decision for you, but you don't get to say that you quit the job because somebody else made you do it. No, no, no. You exactly. quit. <laughs> exactly. You know, you could, you could choose to throw everything off of a table and break a bunch of shit but then don't blame the person that made you mad because you chose to do that and that's perfectly fine but just accept the responsibility you chose to break all your stuff yeah yeah <laughs> i was watching a couple of your videos i didn't watch the whole thing but i watched several of them where you were walking through see one time it was snowing one time it wasn't is that something that was a, a one-time little thing or is that something you do a lot where you walk and just talk about the things that you are seeing or experiencing? I do it a lot, actually. It's um, <laughs> I do it in fits and starts because mm -hmm. that's really how life goes as far as I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I walk always. That's, mm -hmm. that's my thing. But um, I video it occasionally. And it's... It's a technique that I've learned that I, I actually, I do it because it's, it's, I video them because it's pretty and it's a way to invite people into my thought process yeah. and I do it because it's a cool technique that I've, I, I can't say that I've created it from my own self. It's really much more of a com compilation <laughs> I've gotten I've gotten the ideas from other people but um I I go out on a walk with something on my mind you know mm. and it could be a problem it could be a puzzle it could be something fun it, you know and then I just I talk about it to myself and the mm. video right um sometimes it really does help to do it out loud so sometimes even when I'm not videoing myself I'll do <laughs> I'll do it out loud, but I just work through it and I draw in whatever I'm seeing, whether it's the snow or uh, there's chipmunks around and they're going nuts because I'm walking through or, you know, the wind in the trees or a s certain smell from the hay scented ferns or it, it, I, I just draw in you know, my mind is super busy, so I get lots of thoughts, right? But I allow the environment to spark mm -hmm. and create metaphors because it's a good way for my mind to come up with ideas, solutions, answers, to, you know, draw things out into ways that I can understand them better. And it's so funny. Um, it usually takes about 20 minutes and then I'm just quiet and I'm like, okay, I'm done. Because I just got quiet, everything got resolved, we're good. And then I just, and then it's more of just a meditative walk for me, which is okay. less interesting for me to video. <laughs> Although it was beautiful, and it was almost like ASMR when you were walking on the snow, just the crunching. Yeah. It's like, wow, that is nice. Yeah, it's funny, you're not the first person to say that, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't get snow here in South Carolina, so it's really interesting for me to watch someone that would snow that high. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> of course, right now it's summer, so South Carolina is the humid capital of the world, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Frizzy. <laughs> Going back to the whole renaturing um, and our true nature, what's the first step that we take as we try to search for our true nature? We've got all this stuff around us taking it away, and how do we get back to it? Again, it's totally individual. I have several suggestions. I I started by getting into my body and stopping forsaking it, I guess. Like I had gained a ton of weight and I knew I was super unhealthy. And I changed the way I took care of myself and changed my body dramatically. And in the process, developed a relationship that I had never had with my body. I just told her what to do before and it did it or it didn't do it and I would fight with it and Mm. I no longer have a bad relationship with my body like I'm not I'm not a stereotypical beauty or anything but I enjoy my body I don't think that it's possible to find your true nature to engage with your true nature without inhabiting your body and Mm. being there so You know, I usually suggest some sort of physical activity. It doesn't have to be strenuous. You can meditate and do a body scan and notice each part of your body. But if you're pretty, pretty separated from your body, dissociated or, or just pretty separated and in a pretty hateful relationship with your body, you're not going to be able to feel it in meditation. Mm -hmm. You're just not. And so usually even just a little bit of exercise movement makes it easier to feel parts of your body. Um, I think I think that one of the reasons that yoga is ridiculously popular and changes so many people's lives is because it's a meditative exercise program and the teachers are really good at making sure that you move slowly and check in with your body and check in with your body and check in with your body and it's all it is is anchoring you in your body. Mm. I came to yoga after I had already done it. And so although I enjoy yoga, it did not change my life the way that it does Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. But take walks or uh, dance to Mm -hmm. music, you know, just re-engage. Other things I I would suggest to anybody that they get some sort of help on trauma healing because we are all burdened Mm -hmm. with trauma. And... I'm learning to be a practitioner of uh, somatic experiencing, but you know, I did it self-help wise first. You know, I read the books and <laughs> listened to the audio things to try to help myself. Um, but there's lots of people out there that can help. You don't realize you don't realize the burden that you're under until you start to find out about it. Oh, that's very true because you you live in a fake world, but it's it's like the matrix. Once once it falls down, then you realize the all the issues around you. Yeah, yeah, and it's fascinating in my journey anyway with it. Accepting and learning to heal from my own traumas has made me, and I was pretty there anyway. But it's made me so much more compassionate. Even to the people who I look at, you know, the public figures that I look at and mm-hmm. two years ago just hate it. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that poor, poor person. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I have had that happen in my life as well. And I've tried to teach my children that they're in their 20s now, but I always wanted them to have compassion of what other people's circumstances were. And my youngest was bullied quite a bit. And I always said, you know, there was something that happened in that person's life. Doesn't mean you don't have boundaries, but you can also look at that person with compassion because something happened to make them that way. Mm-hmm. Just culture for some of them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Star Society can make monsters. Yeah. So you've got a podcast, correct? I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably by around the time that this this episode uh, airs, I will okay. have a podcast. I've got like five episodes in the tank right now. Okay, do you want to tell us um, how to find it so when the episode comes out, they can find it? Sure. It's called Return to Your Nature Mm. with Betsy Kudlinski. And it is really all of the stuff I've been talking about here. Freedom and renaturing and um, the body and trauma and all the other pieces that I didn't really get into of renaturing as I see it. Mm Mm-hmm. And this first season is really just me talking about it with a um, friend. And then um, my goal is to interview people, to get guests and talk about it in other seasons. Okay. What is your favorite, and this is completely off the wall, but (laughs) what is your favorite season and why? Oh, I love fall. I just love Mm. colors and the sense of fall. Like... I know we we're, we're used to thinking of smelling flowers and stuff growing, but stuff dying is so fragrant. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, I live in New England, so the mm. colors are oh, just the most wonderful things. Green and orange are my favorite colors, and so fall is fall is the thing. <laughs> and the the temperatures are good too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of spring Mm -hmm. because I love flowers and I think spring and fall, they're liminal times. People focus on Halloween and Samhain and that sort of thing as the veil being thin, but that happens in the spring too. It totally does. It absolutely does. And I, I think of like all of our work as like inserting ourselves into the liminal places Yeah. when people are ready to change. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, transformative choice making place that you can decide which path you're going to take and I consider our my discussions with people my sessions are like you were talking about the thinning of the veil like it's Mm -hmm. two people communing Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned so how can people get in touch with you if they're interested in anything that you're doing I have a website betsykudlinski.com easy as long as you can figure out how to spell my name (laughs) i have a facebook page same name i have a private facebook group that you can get to through the website i have an instagram account which i am working on making a real thing (laughs) (laughs) i hear that (laughs) i only have so much energy and and i have to decide where it's going i love these kinds of conversations and I know that I need to publicize them, but my my energy feels better spent in actually having these deep conversations. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe I'm on the same page because I love 
interviewing people and I love all the things that I do with people and teaching but when it comes to really it's the marketing I feel like social media is good for marketing Mm. that's the hard part because I have hardly anything on my Instagram even for my business Mm -hmm. or for my podcast Mm -hmm. but Facebook is more interactive for me I have communities I have groups I have the whole messaging people people asking me questions and so I will put my energy on that when I have social media energy I'm an empath so I don't really like getting around all that stuff Mm -mm. I have to be careful with all that. It just gets overwhelming. It's true. It's true. Well, it has been wonderful talking to you, Betsy, and I would love for you to come back because I I can just tell that you have such a well of knowledge and wisdom that you could share. So if you ever want to come back, please, please do so. I'd love to. That would be really fun. And I'd love to hear what our listeners think about this episode. So tell us what you think. If you go to the podcast website, you can comment on this very episode with your thoughts and questions. There's even a little microphone. If you click it, you can send me a voice message, and I might just use it on a future episode. Take care, and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at BellBookCandleSC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash BellBookCandle.